0: Welcome everyone to the SCORE Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. We're in the home stretch here for fantasy draft season, less than a week to go before the opening game. Lots of drafts still happening over the weekend and early next week, and everything in the score fantasy football draft kit is updated, including the Cooper cup injury news that we got late on Thursday. So you're all set there. And I'm going to make sure that we have everything in the draft kit up to date over the next six days. So you can use it for all your leagues. And given the time of year and the amount of questions that I've been getting, i I figured it made sense to sneak in another mailbag episode, try to answer as many of your questions as I can. Before we get to that, though, I should probably talk a little bit about the Cooper Cup and the Jeff Wilson injuries, because that was pretty big news on Thursday. So first up, Cooper Cup, he was working his way back from the hamstring injury. It seemed like he was on track to be out there for week one, but Sean McVay announced on Thursday that Cup had a setback. He called him day-to-day. Maybe he is day-to-day. Maybe he's still got a shot to play week one, but I'd be pretty skeptical about that. You know our buddy Edwin Porras of Fantasy Points. He looked at receivers since 2018 who averaged 10-plus PPR fantasy points per game and who suffered a repeat hamstring injury. And on average they missed 1.5 added weeks after the aggravation you have another great injury analyst and in adam hutchinson over at football guys he looked at receivers who were over 28 years old and had a re-injury to their hamstring they missed an average of seven weeks total cups already been out three and a half four weeks so based on this research I would expect that cup is probably going to miss a week or two of regular season action at least and we know soft tissue injuries they can linger he's not immune to having another aggravation with it and he's got a quarterback in matthew stafford Stafford's got some durability concerns himself with his age and some of the stuff he's dealt with, back problems and everything, and apparently Stafford's struggling to connect with his younger teammates, according to Stafford's wife. Not sure why she put that out there, but when you look at the defense for the Rams, how much they've dropped off, at least on paper, things could get ugly quick here. So. A lot of risk with Cup now, which is awful because we know his ceiling. He could be the wide receiver one overall in fantasy. He's basically been the wide receiver one overall in fantasy over the last two seasons when he has been healthy on a per game basis. He's been that guy. Last time we saw him fully healthy over a whole season, he was flirting with 2000 receiving yards, right? That was two years ago. So he still has that upside if he can get back to 100%. For now, I've moved him down to wide receiver 10 I have him 18th overall, so it's a second-round pick in your drafts. And I dropped Stafford, too. He's down to QB 27. Not really interested in him whatsoever. You know, lots more intriguing QB 2 and Superflex options out there. Guys like Brock Purdy and Sam Howell and Kenny Pickett and Jordan Love. I'd rather have them over somebody like Stafford at this point. Van Jefferson gets a bit of a bump, mostly because you know, he'd be the biggest beneficiary if Cup does miss games in September. So Jefferson, a short-term flex option. If Cup's not out there, he's going to be the number one receiver in this offense. Tight end Tyler Higby, He was a top 10 fantasy tight end. He had a 21% target share in the eight games that Cup missed last season. So he's a lot more interesting as a low end tight end one early in the year now. And then I would expect that we will see the rest of the players kind of get small bumps. So Tutu Atwell and Pukanukua, I think those guys will step up into the number two and number three roles in the receiving core, but not enough to really consider them in your fantasy lineups outside of extremely, extremely deep leagues. Doubt it really turns them into fantasy starters at any point in the season but I do want you to keep an eye out for the running back Kyron Williams and he's the RB2 behind Cam Akers in that offense but I think Williams could be a flex play in PPR leagues while Cup is out because Williams reportedly has been really heavily involved as a pass catcher out of the backfield so we could see more work for him over the first few weeks of the season if Cup's not playing and then the other big injury news that we got to talk about from Thursday Jeff Wilson being placed on IR. He's got a core issue. He's got a finger problem. And the quotes from Mike McDaniel, they didn't seem that promising. He said he sort of expects Wilson to be back at some point in the year. What does that mean? Wilson's agent, Drew Rosenhaus, he came out right away after that and made sure to put his two cents in like he always does. And he said that he expects Wilson to be back in week five after that mandatory four game absence. But Agent takes are some of the least reliable reports out there, so I wouldn't put too much stock in that. Either way, Wilson falls to a range where I'm not really going to draft him, unless it's with one of your last picks and you know you're going to stash him in an IR slot. Maybe then you could do it. But what I am going to do is boost Raheem Mostert up a little bit more. And if you've been following me, you know I like Mostert more than Wilson. I've had it that way in fantasy straight up over the off season. Mostert is the explosive game breaker. He's the one with the higher ceiling. Wilson's more of that grinder. Coaches like him, but he doesn't have the same kind of weekly upside that Mostert gives you unless Wilson finds the end zone once or twice, which he was able to do last season a little bit. There was also some injuries in the second half of the year there, so it was kind of hard to tell exactly how the the touches would be distributed between the two of them if they were both 100%. This year, it would have been interesting to see, but we're not going to get a chance to see that. With Wilson out, though, Mostert really is an intriguing RB3 with RB2 upside in the first month, and maybe longer if Wilson doesn't get back right away after those four games are up. And then we're going to have to monitor Devon H.A.'s shoulder injury. He's back at practice. He's not a full go. From what I've seen, at least, I think he's wearing the red jersey out there right now. So it's not clear what his role is going to be in week one or even if he's going to be able to play in week one. But if you're drafting A-chain, it's more as that compliment to Mostert and potentially as the Mostert replacement if and when Mostert does get hurt, which... That's been known to happen a time or two during his career. Plus, Mostert's 31 years old. So if he did break down at some point, I don't think we could hold it against him this season. And because of all the injuries, we also have to keep an eye on Salvin Ahmed in that backfield. He's a little banged up himself. And the UDFA, Chris Brooks, who he did enough to earn himself a roster spot on the 53. He might end up being the number two back for Miami in week one if all these other guys can't go, except for Mostert, of course. So a complicated situation in Miami Very stunning to see Raheem Mostert being the most healthy guy in that backfield right now. We'll see how long that lasts. And man, I bet that they wish they had just paid up and gotten Dalvin Cook or made that trade for Jonathan Taylor now. I mean, maybe this leads to them eventually swinging a deal for Taylor during the season. We're going to have to see about that. But right now, this backfield kind of in shambles. Mostert with a lot of early season value. Devon A-chain getting a little bit of a bump. As well. Okay, let's get to your mailbag questions. I'm going to try to go quick here. Going to try to get through a bunch. So here we go. At TLNAFED. Hey Boone, love your show, which helped me nail my first championship last year. Given the fact that Jeff Wilson is put on IR, how will that impact the value of Raheem Mostert? Should I prioritize him ahead of Samaj P. Ryan during the draft? Thank you. Well, we already answered the part about the outlook on the Dolphins' backfield a moment ago. So you got that down. But I will confirm that yes. I have Mostert above P. Ryan now, so definitely taking Mostert there. At Aaron Short, 1188, what's your ideal strategy when picking at the back end of a 12-team PPR super flex draft? Assuming I'll miss the top eight quarterbacks, would you double up on Geno Smith and Daniel Jones at the 3-4 turn or get one of them and hold out for a Jordan Love, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell type near the end? So I don't know if in a super flex league you're going to be able to get Geno Smith and Daniel Jones at the 3-4 turn. If you do, I would be willing to do that. But normally for me, if I'm picking at the back end of the first round, I grab one quarterback early and then I try to find my second QB when I can get a value somewhere along the line. So I like how you're thinking about it with the loves and pickets and howls of the world. I think those are the right names. I'd also mention Brock Purdy on that list, but you're definitely on the right track. So I think you're going to be fine. At Mike Concho. What's your preferred build drafting in the top four picks of a 12 team PPR redraft league? Hero RB or Zero RB? We talked about this in the RB preview show. I did the draft strategy articles a couple weeks ago. I outlined my approach in there. I like Hero RB, which I consider one running back in the first three rounds. And then you try to find value for your RB2 spot along the way. And you could normally do that pretty easily this year from rounds like five to rounds eight. There's lots of names in there with upside, but check out the draft strategy article for my full breakdown at NY NYX underscore GM. Do you still stand by your early, mid, late draft strategy from a couple weeks back? So I do. And as everybody knows, one of the benefits of having the digital draft kit is I can go in, I can update all my articles as the preseason progresses, and we learn about injuries and stuff like that. And I went back and I did make some tweaks to the breakouts and the sleepers and the busts. Really, all the columns in that series got freshened up. And then I went and looked at the draft strategy articles, and they were fine, which is funny because... I've felt like uh, I've been a little bit cursed with those articles the last couple of seasons where I put guys in there and then they get hurt during August and I got to go back and change it. But we avoided it this year. So yeah, the draft strategy series, it's as relevant as ever. And you don't even have to get the players that I'm specifically saying. I give you a couple options in each round that you can consider. So definitely check those out at Josh Weezy Weiss. Hey, Justin, quick question. What is your strategy being in multiple leagues and having different picks when it comes to drafting guys in the later rounds? Do you reduce overlap by drafting similar guys? Do you draft based on position? There's lots of studs, hard to choose a few. So this depends on how many leagues we're talking about, because if you're like me, if you're in just a ton of leagues, I have to try to invest in a bunch of different late round guys because I don't want to miss out. But if you're only in a couple of leagues, then... I wouldn't worry about going out of your way too much with this. The list of late round targets this year, it's very big. It starts with the running backs, especially the rookies like Taji Spears and Roshan Johnson, Tank Bigsby, Devon A-Chain, and even deeper, you could look at guys like Sean Tucker and Evan Hall in the last rounds. I would try to get pieces of all of them across your leagues, but in the late rounds, it's normally backup running backs for me. That's what I want to fill my bench with because they have the quickest path to that increased value. Normally, it only takes one injury in most cases, right? And I've also grabbed some late round tight ends, and we've talked a bit about that too. If I miss out on the elite tight ends, if I miss out on that Waller pit zone, then I will target the rookies like Kincaid, like Laporta. I like them. Not usually taking receivers late, and I rarely draft a second quarterback in single QB leagues. So backup RBs. If you overlap a little bit, it's fine because we're targeting guys that we project to have the most potential upside if they get that opportunity. So you don't want to shy away from them just because you're trying to diversify. But if if you're in a lot of leagues, I'm talking about, you know, half a dozen or more leagues, then you got to think about that a little bit. At W Matt Mays in a keeper league drafting at the one, two turn and Tony Pollard and Garrett Wilson are both unavailable. My keeper is Alexander Madison. Half point, 12-team PPR. Which high upside players would you target at the 12 and 13 spots? Currently, I may end up with Amunra St. Brown and Saquon Barkley. So if it's a keeper league, it's kind of hard for me to speculate who might be available. I'm not sure if you're suggesting that Pollard and Garrett Wilson are the only two guys from the first couple rounds who are kept in this league, but what I will say is go check out my half PPR top 250 rankings. That'll give you a good idea of who I'd be targeting there, but Amunra St. Brown and Saquon... They would be very high on my list of players to go after. And I think you'd be off to a great start if you do get those two. Uh, We got a couple similar questions next here. So I'm going to try to answer them together at legend of ACN, more of a post-draft question. What do you do if you accidentally drafted too many people from the same team? Got excited when I saw Jordan Addison fall on my draft and I ended up with Addison, Justin Jefferson and Alexander Madison. And then the second one here is at just drew it. Thoughts on rostering multiple players on the same team slash offense. In my particular situation, I drafted both Monroe St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs. My current tight end is Gerald Everett. However, Sam Laporta is staring at me on waivers. Thoughts. So I might have answered a question like this in the last mailbag a couple weeks ago, but I think it was about two guys. I think it was about uh, C.D. Lamb and Tony Pollard sort of at the one-two turn. And I'll say the same thing here. As long as we're talking about a quality offense, I wouldn't worry about it too much. And the Vikings and the Lions, they project to have a couple good offenses this year. Three players on the same team. Yes, it's a lot. But the guys you're talking about, they all project really well this season. So while I generally wouldn't aim to start three guys from the same team in those spots, I think you can go for it. And then you can always make moves as the year goes along. But Addison has a ton of potential. I wouldn't regret that pick. I think you were smart to grab him when he fell. And then the second question, I like Laporta over Everett. I would rather have the rookie there, so don't worry about it too much at the beginning of the season. This time of year is when you just grab the guys with the highest upside, and then you deal with it after. You draft for upside, and then you make trades and waiver wire pickups as you go, and you build your team, and you get it ready for the playoffs, and if you need to tweak your roster, there's going to be plenty of time to do that between now and the fantasy playoffs. At JD Smooth, you hear a lot of people say, don't draft an early round tight end and quarterback. I get the concept, but going off of your tiers slash feeling out mock drafts at the two spot in a 12 team league, the value of Justin Fields and Darren Waller at the four or five turn seems palatable thoughts. Thanks. So I might be wrong, but I think when people are trying to discourage you from drafting an early round, tight end and quarterback, it's talking about like the first two or three rounds. Once you get to round four, round five, all bets are off at that point. And I think with elite quarterbacks being so valuable now. And with the values that you can get from the fifth to the eighth round at running back and especially receiver this year, I'm okay with going early on quarterback and tight end and trying to get those elite guys at both positions. And I agree that Fields and Waller, I mean, though Fields isn't elite and though Waller, we expect that he could get back into the elite, but prior to this season wasn't considered in that elite group, getting those guys in rounds four and five, that is a really nice pairing. So I wouldn't shy away from that at all. At Lance Tweeters, in a 10-team, 6-point passing touchdown, single quarterback league with half PPR, how much sooner are you drafting high-end quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen? Are they first-round or second-round picks? Last year, Mahomes scored 560 points. Does it just depend on if other managers value them that high? This league must be more than just six point passing touchdowns for quarterbacks, because I'm in at least one six point touchdown league, and I don't think Mahomes cracked 500 points last year. So you must have some bonuses on top of that, which means, yes, I would bump the quarterbacks up maybe a full round. So I would consider them in the first. Absolutely. In regular drafts, they're going in the late second round this year. And if your scoring that inflated, then they're certainly first round values at J Hill, eight, nine, eight. Is it bad strategy to have two rookies like Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs as your RB1 and RB2? Not when they're top 12 picks in the NFL draft. I mean, the history of backs drafted that high, it's very strong for fantasy in their first season. They tend to be impact players right out of the gate, so I wouldn't worry about it at all. Bijan and Gibbs all the way. At the Dom 13, preferred KCRB and half PPR. Isaiah Pacheco gets the nod over McKinnon here for sure. It's close in half PPR and PPR leagues, but I still favor Pacheco with the touchdown scoring and with how last year he started to get more passing work as the season went along. So Pacheco is the better RB3 with RB2 upside. McKinnon is more of an RB3 flex. He would need Pacheco to get hurt again in order for him to really explode for fantasy. And then last one here at Scotty D 2413 you have James Conner as a league winner. Do you still feel that way now that it looks like the Cardinals are tanking with a terrible offense? So again, this is the nice thing about having the ability to go and update the draft kit and everything in it as things change throughout the summer. I still think that Connor is a value based on where he's going, but I don't feel as good about his ceiling outcome because of the situation around him in Arizona. So I jump back into the article. Seven players are going to lead you to a title this year. Connor is no longer in it. I debated a few players to replace him with Alexander Madison, I think deserves it, but he was leading my breakouts column. I've already talked about him so much. I didn't want to double up there. JK Dobbins is someone that I think has a very high ceiling in that new Ravens offense could put up a huge touchdown total. This season came close to including him, but in the end, I went with a guy who I think has RB one overall upside. And that is Tony Pollard, who I believe is going to be talked about with the likes of CMC and Austin Eckler at the end of the season. And he is the best second round pick that you can make this year. So congrats if you already got him. If your draft hasn't happened yet, do your best to get Pollard on your team this season. But that is all for today's show. So make sure you're checking out the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit daily. Like I said off the top constantly getting updated new information new articles going in there and you can see it all for free at the score you can also follow me on x or twitter at justin boone good luck in all your drafts this weekend i'll be back on monday we'll be into the regular season schedule waiver wire show and the waiver wire article on monday the early edition of the rankings coming out on tuesday the in-season trade value charts and the week one preview show that'll be on wednesday the updated rankings on thursday Start Sit will come out with the injury update show on Friday and then the updated rankings on Sunday morning. So lots of content coming your way every single week from now until early January. But until then, big thanks for all the ratings and reviews for the podcast on all your podcast platforms. I really appreciate that. Big thanks for subscribing and downloading the show every week. And we will see you next time. Sid leave on time, my baby said leave on time on time with me tonight, I said leave on time.